The following is our extended conversation with Ella Ben-Ur, the creator of Innovator's Compass. Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. love talking to this guest we first met like five years ago and I don't think it's an overstatement to say that you have changed me professionally changed me personally I'm just so grateful for this opportunity the teaching like Ted Lasso podcast is happy to welcome Ella Benner hi Ella Hello. I think it's worth saying that I think we met through a podcast, didn't we? Yeah, I listened to you on the Design Thinking 101 podcast. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, Ella? My background is in design thinking from MIT and IDEO, but I have had the opportunity to work with many, many, many different people, many different experts, many different everyday people in the decade since that time. And I've made it my mission to try to make our best ways of getting unstuck accessible for every person and moment. I don't know how far back you want me to go, but that I think has always been my mission and what's really driven me in life way before MIT or IDEO, before those experiences. And so that has manifested into taking all these amazing things I've had the experiences with um, from design thinking to leadership practices to, you know, how people do therapy, how people make startups better, how people solve engineering problems, how people bring communities together and find that they, you know, they seem to have some common questions that seem to be the compass that is the fundamental fundamental way we see anything we do and it they just bring us to see those and bring us back um frankly because that's what that's how kids navigate the world they mm -hmm. they ask questions and they they observe things and they experiment and they really all of these different ways of making things better are just reminding us to be our best selves and so why do we just name those common things that they're asking us to to do and and ask them more often nice that became innovators compass which is all the all free resources in innovatorscompass.org, but it's basically the, the the mission work I do in the world, just making those best ways of getting unstuck accessible for every person and moment. Are you familiar with Ted Lasso? I have to confess that I have certainly heard of the show, but I have not watched that or really any television in a long time. Such is the nature of being, you know, someone who's out to change the world <laughs> and also has two children. So. I have not seen it, but I've heard wonderful things. Yeah. Yeah. Change the world. Watch a, a sitcom. You know, what, what, what's the choice? A world changing sitcom. So it would, I yeah. mean, it would benefit me to watch it, but I have not. Well, it's not a requirement for the podcast. We've had plenty of people on who haven't seen it. And again, the goal wasn't to necessarily just talk about the show. John and I yammer on about that plenty, but to get, think about connections that we know of between themes that are on the show and then people that we know who are either doing the work or researching the work. So definitely not a requirement, but if you ever do have, I've, somebody posted that it's only all three seasons are only 24 hours long. So if you're looking for a 24 hour um, splurge one time, you can, you can do it in that. And, and I obviously I think that it's worth it, but but yeah, if you get a chance, I think you would find the positive nature of it. And I think you'd see a lot of connections to just what you were talking about, goals of your own work. So mm -hmm. 
But one of the things that they do in the show is ask some kind of weird questions to get to know people. And one of those questions was your all-time favorite Julie Andrews character. I think I've only really seen her in a couple of things, The Sound of Music and uh, Mary Poppins. Maybe she's been like hidden in other roles that I've forgotten or didn't notice in the first place. But those are kind of both similar, right? They're both nannies. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if I had to pick between them, it, it would have to be Mary Poppins because, you know, a little magic never hurts. Interesting. Mine is one called SOB. She was in this movie in the 1980s, and it was kind of a, a, a cast against her type, that nanny type. But anyways, so you talked a little bit about Innovators Compass, Ella. What, why did you develop this? And you've got this idea of supporting people, but, but why and how did you develop the compass? Again, um, I guess it depends on how far <laughs> you want to look back <laughs> The why has been, you know, I think a part of me for a really long time. My, I, my parents are immigrants. My sister is um, a disabled woman. And I went to school deep in Milwaukee in a neighborhood with its challenges. And I think that, you know, I, I think I saw a lot of both people stuck, but also people getting unstuck that inspired me a lot. And I think that that contrast was really deeply motivating to me and it was it was human um it was about people not processes and problems and then you know i went my wayward way you know to which is don't get me wrong actually i really appreciate everything that i i did and developed and everything else at mit and ideo but when i left those institutions i went back out in the world and was just back out there to just sort of help you know in, in whatever way whether it was me or design thinking that i brought with me or whatever it was how can i help people you know, get unstuck. And, and I've started to, you know, over all my years while I was at IDEO, I was there for 13 years, um, I was doing workshops, you know, for IDEO for our clients. And I was teaching um, at Olin College and, you know, with a lot of stuff, like all the trappings of the lingo of design thinking. In fact, half your listeners may never have heard of design thinking and it's fine, it doesn't matter. When I left, I found that I, I had a real kind of allergy to teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and to seeing and hearing people, you know, go through things like, Wait, what are we doing? Or how does this relate to, you know, my daily life? Or hmm, this isn't quite how I'm creative. Like I was just having an amazing conversation with my partner and then you cut me off. You know, like those moments were just really like, I, I don't think why I, this is why I'm in this work. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is what I'm here for. And so uh, I didn't, I couldn't articulate it this way until later, but I really started to desperately want to unleash and not teach. I was pretty sure that all the humans in the classroom or conference room or whatever place I was, you know, there with me had plenty in them to be able to unstick their own challenges. Um, and my goal was, you know, that they didn't have to get stuck on the stuff that I was sharing and have to figure out what I was saying and what I meant um, and, and how to do it before they could start like just unsticking their own stuff. And that was really hard, but that was one big why. And the other was that I just felt like there was so much amazingness out there that you either start to teach, try to teach everything, like thousands of methods from lots of different processes, like, oh my gosh, but you better see this and you better see this. And oh, this is what community organizers do. And this is what, this is what therapists do. And this is what, you know, leadership trainers do, Whew, you know, and you just like load people down with more and more stuff. 
or it forces you to go to completely the other way and try to sense, well, you know what, I think behind all the sort of specialized, you know, words and ways that those people all go about making, helping people make things better and get unstuck. There's, there's something in common. And, and the clue for me was really in what it felt like for myself as a designer at IDEO, what did it feel like? What are the creative, what were the creative moves that got us unstuck from what is happening right now? Like being able to see that in new ways and, and, and see new futures and make those happen. Um, what did that actually feel like? And, and I started to sort of sense the compass in that and see that, see that same compass in so many other ways of making things better alone and together in our, in our life, work and world. And so then I became just fascinated with that and wanted to bring it out in a way that wasn't like hidden in all of these things because you know they're not accessible to us and they're hidden in all these different books and processes and they're also hidden inside us like i said i had kids around the same time and i could see that this is the way they operate right and it's hidden in it's it's hidden deep inside us and it gets kind of you know this is cliche to say but um it gets kind of buried um and and and, and hidden away you know through a lot of schooling because it's not what's it's valued and celebrated and developed. And so it's hidden in all these places that we cannot access it, but we really have all the ingredients and they, and they are the same things that, you know, all these different processes and tools and books are telling us to do again, because we haven't developed them. We haven't had the chance to practice them uh, from when we were little. So, so those were some of the drivers that really made me want to just be like, okay, let's figure out what this compass is and let's find out how to represent it in a way that um, is immediately usable and shareable by any person in any situation. And that was really hard. <laughs> it turned out it took a bunch of years to to get to what seems amazingly deceptively simple, mm -hmm. but hopefully simple and powerful enough for any person in situation. Yeah, and I can attest to when, like I said, when I heard you on that podcast and I was familiar with design thinking, but you distilled it for me in a way that made sure that, like you said, the humanity was a part of it, right? Most design thinkers would, I, I think, would like to believe that they're doing human-centered design, but it was really clear in the way that you talked about it and the way that you presented it with those five simple questions. I love to, uh, you know, as you said, I could pull from all of these different ways of thinking and say, oh, these are all distilled into these five questions and into these five areas. And it was something I'd spend, you know, I'm a teacher. I've spent lots of time teaching people how to do, you know, the D school version of it or Henry Ford version of it. And it always felt, I loved how you started this out. It always felt like we were getting caught up in the methods and not being able to, to really sort of think about it. But I've ever since, and this is why I said it's changed me professionally ever since I've started sharing the compass with, with students and teachers you know, within 30 minutes, they are able to start thinking about how to apply it to, to whatever way they either want to be unstuck or way they want to explore. So I guess I, all I want to do is affirm that that hard work at least is paid off for one person. And it's really funny because we, you know, you and I can both talk about it quite a bit because you have a lot of background in it, but typically people don't. So what happens most of the time with this tool is that people have a picture of it or they don't. And they just are in a situation on their own or with other people. It's a decision. It's a debate. It's, 
planning, it's a moment in a meeting or a conversation and they go, hey, let's, let's use these, let's lose this thing. Let's use these five questions and they just go. Um, and that was really, that's really the manifestation of the mission right there. And so we've, we've already talked about an awful lot, which can sometimes backfire because sometimes it can make things feel more complicated when you talk about it and give it a lot of introduction. So in its simplest form, you know, I've seen the wonderful Garrett Mason who's taken the compass literally all over the world has, has shared pictures of people in um, the organizations he works with who are, you know, like sending pictures from new villages in, in rural Africa where people, you know, have the sticker on the back of a phone being used to just guide a conversation, you know, between people in a community. And it's really literally just a sticker that's passing from person to person. And that is amazing. So yeah, so the hope is that it, it really is an unleash and it's nothing to teach. Like, I do think that we ask these questions. Maybe without further ado, can I share Innovator's Compass? Yeah, I think that's perfect. And for the people who are watching, I'm going to hold up an Innovator's Compass. Literally, it says on top, five ways we move forward in any challenge, big or small. With and for everyone involved, we explore new possibilities in these five questions. It's a circle in the center. And it's red and it has two people in it with little hearts in them. The question there is who's involved or are people in any situation? Um, and then there's this compass and we go down to the lower left and that brings us down to details. It's the bottom part of the compass, what's happening in the past and present. And we're looking to just see what's happening and why right now, right? Like, just like you, you know, go, someone came to you with a feeling down about something, you'd say, you'd see them as a person first. And then you'd probably say, hey, what's happening? <laughs> like try to understand, you know, what's happening and why gather some real observations to go on. There's two pictures here, like a, an up, upper picture frame and a lower picture frame. You probably try to find some upsides that are happening and maybe some, you know, what are the downsides of what's happening? You try to understand. Everybody does these things, right? Everybody says, hey, what's going on? You know, you look down. And then zooming up, the top of the compass is big picture. You went from details, you zoom up to big picture find the question what matters most because we can get stuck overwhelmed with all the things that are happening and so being able to see the big picture hey what matters most about all of that so that i can focus there's a star here because those are your guiding stars or your nose star or the things that you star mm. um you know like on your page right on your on your to-do list the things that matter most or some guiding principles like getting started getting principles for yourself and then we go over to the top right and we find we're still big picture, but now we're moving from past and present to the future. And we're looking for the big picture of what ways, plural, are there, you know, to do what matters most or ideas. And they, there's a fluffy, you know, blue sky cloud here because these can be fluffy, dreamy, blue sky ideas. We have to have space to do that. We can be stuck, you know, seeing no way or only one way to do what matters. Either those is kind of stuck, right? <laughs> because if it's like my way or the highway, that doesn't work so well. Um, or just kind of like my ways, right? That we're not really excited about that aren't really, you know, we're not gonna you know, get to the moon unless we shoot the stars, right? So that's that space, that's that space to dream. But we all ask that like, okay, well, we really wanna like, you know, go to New York, what ways are there to do that, right? We all ask these questions, none of them are rocket science. And then we come back down um, to details and of the future and say, okay, well, what's the stuff to try, right? Like if we decide, oh, I think we're going to do the train. Well, we're not going to get on that train unless there's a who, what, when, where, how, you know, to get on the train. It just remains an idea. So what's the stuff to try? And the picture here is a pile of blocks that are kind of tipping over. They go from big on the bottom to small on top, and they weren't tipping off 
over until my then four-year-old daughter said, well, experiments are kind of like, they don't usually work at first. Didn't that pile look like it's falling over? And I kind of cringed, which, which was exactly why I realized they should be falling over because we need to get used to that. <laughs> we need to be comfortable with that. And, you know, it's the top one that's falling off. It's a little bitty one. It's no big deal, right? And, you know, as you go, you build up and you, you know, the blocks get more solid and you have bigger blocks and you'll, you'll build your way there. This is just the first step and, you, you know, you'll learn from it and you'll go on. And so, while they are numbered because that is the way that most processes will have you go the you know the safe thing to do is to see people what's happening for them what matters most for them before you start throwing out a bunch of ideas to change things but they're really just five ways that we move forward and we use these piecemeal all the time right like you know your kid like start listing all the things that they want to do or they need to do and you're like okay well which one matters most to you right now you know you ask these questions all the time when you get unstuck when you move forward in powerful ways and when we don't we're missing something somewhere so let's just name them i called before this with some people who are doing you know working with some community organizing practices that are you know asking the same questions in their own sort of different different ways so that is an innovator's compass um it's five questions that move us forward and I would, again, say that your idea of that it's piecemeal, I think I've shared this with you before, looking at it, I can say that I've lived on the bottom of your compass, right? I, I spent a lot of time with observations and experiments in details, right? But didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the top. And my spouse, Kathy, she lives on the top, right? She thinks big ideas and she, you know, she's got, um, she knows what, you know, the, the general principle is and she comes up with all these ideas. And for a long time, we, we didn't uh, always see eye to eye on stuff, as you would imagine, right? Until we were able to see, you know, I wish I could say it was just the, uh, the compass. It was therapy too. But, we, you know, the compass helped us to see that we were doing all of those things, that we would benefit from being able to, to know where we were and do all of those things and not just do part of it, right? And, and I think that that's one of the things that we're trying to get through this podcast, and in particular through this episode, is really help teachers see what it takes to be experimenters in their own classrooms, right? To go through the, the compass and use all of those parts, but if they're not willing to do the, the experimenting piece, you know, if they, if they're if they're just saying, here's what I want to teach, and here may be some ways to do it, but they're really not observing what's going on with their students and things like that, that um, they're not going to make the progress that we're hoping that they make. The, that the, the show that Ted Lasso is trying to show in their three season arc is the progress that people are making because they are trying to experiment. So, so I'll, again, I, I want to affirm what you're saying, or I don't want to gloss over all five of those questions are important, and our participants will have a chance to look at all five of them. But if you were going to give some in particular, I've heard you give some very good detail about how to do the experiment part, I think that that would be helpful. Everything that I said till now about it is you know, I was looking literally at the questions and the pictures on this graphic, right? A lot of time went into trying to pack as much as possible into that really, you know, portable, shareable bit so that it doesn't, you know, I mean, it shouldn't feel like, oh, I need Ella there <laughs> to only how to experiment because that's not going to, that defeats the mission. Well, first, let me just back up and say, with regard to what you just said, which is, yeah, I think once we can see all these things, then it's a lot easier to just sort of, you know, whether it's individually or collectively be like, hey, I think, you know, we've been doing a lot of this and we haven't been doing a lot of that. And and just to kind of 
just keep consciously using them as we get as we get bigger as our challenges get bigger then you know all those muscles will be strong and we can't if you don't know if you don't know you have them right you can't consciously strengthen them so um so i hope that that will kind of be a way of the future for education and lots of other things so as far as prompts around them to go deeper i again try to keep things really really simple and accessible so there are these little cue cards you can find on the, the website. There's not too many of them. Even simpler, there's this pocket compass. So I'm holding up a couple of things for people who are listening. Oh, look, there's, there's Dave's pocket compass oh, right behind him on the shelf. So the pocket compass is just like a little folded business card, but you can print them out um, online and they have like just one extra sentence underneath each of the questions. And then the cue cards are like the next and last sort of level of detail that I provide because once it gets more than that it's there's a lot of great stuff out there that will get really detailed right so that's not that's not my mission i'll happily point you to like oh you're really interested in details of facilitation like here are five ways to go find that but so there are these cue cards and that's what i'm going i just want to make sure that people know that what i'm saying is coming from somewhere so they can go find it and use it so the main one just adds one really simple kind of almost silly seeming thing to the compass right so these five questions who's involved what's happening why what matters most what ways are there what's the step to try well as i said the instruction the one instruction on top of every single form of innovators compass is with and for all involved explore and to me one of the simplest ways to think about how to explore any of these things is first of all to use periods to unpack what you think but then look for some exclamation points, some ahas, right? Like find new possibilities. And then the last one, but the, really the most exciting one is the question mark. When in doubt, let it out. Just pop a question mark on it when you don't know or to let thoughts come and go, right? Like being the perfect parent or teacher, if that's one of your principles, pop a question mark on it and see what it opens up for you. It's really kind of amazing. So then my prompts in the pocket compass are really just how to find more of those ahas. And then this, this cue card uh, has two prompts for each of the spaces for each of the questions one is to find more exclamation points more ahas the same thing that's in a pocket compass and then there's a there's a prompt around question marks how to find those so that's this is the greatest detail so i'm going to literally read what is on here about experiments so experiments what's a step to try so the exclamation point aha tip is make it small one dollar one day one person or one part of an idea and it's pointing to the little bitty cube the little bitty block on the top of the stack. Um, and now pointing to details, small with specific details. So small and specific, like who, what, when, where, how, until you'll try it. If it's, if it's not happening yet, it needs to be smaller and or more specific until it happens. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I just did that, look at that. How cool is that, right? So that's the aha, that's the aha, right? That you come to like, oh my God, I just did that. The question mark prompt, is to focus on the question marks you found above, right? So when you were like, oh, I'm actually not really sure what's happening. I don't know why he's late to school every day, question mark. Or do I have to be the first mom, perfect mom? I, I don't know, right? Or with ideas, right? If you let out that question, like I could have 10,000 elephants at the, at, the, at the birthday party and I put a question mark on it because that's how I let it out. Now you have all these question marks that you've collected. And so the question mark tip is simply to focus on question marks that you found before and then go back and see what happens, right? So an experiment can be trying out part of an idea, but it might actually be finding out more about what's happening. Like, you know, I'm gonna go try asking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try watching and see which days he's late and not and why, or I'm gonna go ask him more about it. 
that can be an experiment. It doesn't have to be trying out an idea, but that's it. Those are the two tips. I said them in a very long way, but if you read them, there's just a couple sentences there. Make it small, $1 a day, person or part of idea with specific details like who, what, when, or how until you try it and focus on questions you found and go see what happens if you begin. When I've seen you present on this, Ella, you often, when we're into that experiment piece, ask them to think about something that they can specifically do in the next week. Do you still try to do that? Do you still espouse that as you're doing that work? Yeah, I really love, I mean, so here I say small and specific, so they have to pick a who, what, when, where, and how, and I I mean, I guess it doesn't technically have to be in the next week, but it's good if it is. I do really like the framing that I've heard of Sunday and Monday. So the someday is like the ideas space, right? All these ways I could possibly do this someday. And experiments is like the Monday, right? Like, so you have to pick a specific when and no, it probably shouldn't be in three weeks because you're going to completely forget about it by then. I mean, or it's too big, right? If you think that it's going to take you three weeks you know, to be able to do this thing. Maybe, what can you try that's smaller? Yeah, that is right now. And the best is if it's in the next 24 hours, because that's when you'll remember it, or the very next thing you do. Well, and I remember being at uh, South by Southwest with you and talking to someone who was thinking about starting a school and wanted to use the compass for that. And they're like, do I actually have to start the school to be able to do that? And we talked, we talked about those question marks, right? Yeah, no. Well, I guess that would be one way. Yeah, we talked about one of the question marks and this says, so but so what are your questions about it? And maybe your experiment is addressing and finding out more answers to those questions, right? Like what what do investors think? What do parents think? So you're so maybe your experiment is to come up with something again that they could do within the neck when they got home from Austin, where they could do something immediately and not, you know, just just sit around wondering about, well, should I start the school or not without, without getting more information? Anybody can do that same coaching that you just did. You'd be like, well, you know, let's focus on those questions. And what's the small specific thing that you could do? That's what you did, right? right. What, you did, what you did is, is what's in these keys. What the compass did for me was help me to, it was more of a, a metacognitive tool to make sure that I was thinking about my own thinking or helping other people think about theirs. And again, this is where, you know, I see a real connection between you and the show. Ted Lasso at the end talks about it was never about me, right? He was always trying to help everybody, like you were saying, sort of find that answer within themselves. And it, as, as, a coach or as a as a, a teacher or as a leader it, it's simply helping people to you know to become obsolete ourselves so that those like you said you don't want ella to always have to be there and i think that you use the word think a bunch right thinking about my own thinking and i think that's true and i feel that people are more likely to be able to own it and well, re-own it, right? <laughs> like own this because you already have and use it in a lot of different situations and use it powerfully if they can feel it. And yeah. that's one of the reasons this is not a list of questions, but it is a visual spatial compass so that you can feel, you know, that you are diving down for details, like both experiments and observations. Those are at the bottom, those are details, right? Both of them are down in the details. We know kind of what that feels like when your head's down. You're just really paying attention. 
these different pictures right for each one help them feel real because they are actually how you see what's happening and why your observations are as real a tool as a hammer mm -hmm. they can be if you are aware of them and you see them and you use them and they are and so you know by giving them a physical picture it's not just so that you go oh yeah observations are different pictures of what's happening and why but also so they feel like a thing that you can make a difference with right like the stars those things i star they they can guide me and they can guide other people too right those clouds those those can inspire me they can like free me to think in different ways and they can do that for other people too so you know both the compass the emotions we have right when you're going down into details and you're zooming out to see what matters most and and zooming over to see you know what matters what, what ways there are to do that right in the future but still big picture right and zooming back down into details like i want i i think that you know there's a thousand cliches around each one of these things that basically why why am i saying zooming in zooming out seeing the forest for the trees right like seeing big picture it's because we have a whole bunch of cliches to try to help us feel those moves that we need to make to get unstuck that's why we have them because that's our shorthand for helping people get unstuck right okay you need to pull your head out of the sand and like see the big picture i'm probably mixing my metaphors now but <laughs> so this is trying to embody the feel of all of that in addition to kind of the thinking I have a long way of experiment of explaining things. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love that, and I that's really helpful to because I'm sure that I do spend, like I said, I spend my time in the details, and I also spend my time in my head. I, I realize that, and so being able to move from the head to the heart to the gut that's one of those things that at one point Ted says to another character is this idea: start with your head, go with your gut, but take a stop at your heart. So making sure that you're paying attention to all parts of that. I do have to watch this show. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. So it probably sounds extremely like a lot of hubris and oversimplified to say that like all these ways from therapy to leadership, to everything, you know, really boiled down to these five questions. They do. And where they get really deep is first of all, in this compass, right? Like really helping you go for details you know, really getting you to dream big for your ideas, right? They push you really hard in these directions. That's what their coaching, their guidance, all of the tools that they give you will do. And they get you to engage more of your own tools to get there, right? If like, if the compass is like the directions they point you and like getting you to go really hard and clear in those directions, the fuel is all on you, right? They can't give it to you. It's in you, it's on you. It's the stuff that it's the tools that you've always been carrying. So this is a picture I'm holding up that has what I call our 10 plus tools, because this is 10, but of course we have many more. It shows that a person, same person that's in the middle of the compass, each person involved is has, first of all, multiple processing tools. The ones that Dave just mentioned, our head, our heart, our gut, they all process in different ways. And so different approaches are going to try and get you to engage them like brainstorming really fast gets you to turn off your head a little bit mm -hmm. with your gut because you just have to right you don't have time to think about it so those are processing tools as i call them then there's our tools that we use to interact with the world right that to sense and act on the world so our eyes our ears our bodies and our hands i mean for my own background in design thinking they'll have you go look at what people are doing now you know what's happening for people now go listen go ask people lots of questions you know go try go go try to empathize get go do what they're doing and see how it feels to you you know use your hands and then the last set are the things that we can use that we always still have we always have words we have 
pictures that we can draw or find clip art or whatever we can use pictures and we can use all of the stuff in the space around us at any time so we can also draw what's happening and why for people involved or use words in different ways like we use our head and words way too much in general but you can use words in really different ways like if you constrain people to just use one word or like you know two words to describe how you're feeling right now it really forces them to like go with their gut, right? And like, figure out what are those things? What really does matter most to me? So it really is a lot of the really detailed tools and methods that people teach to make different things better in the world are getting us to engage these tools as fuel to get us to go further in these fundamental directions that are how we see anything we do. Which really connects well with you know, the whole child sort of movement that education has been trying to, to go through. And one of the decisions, you know, as John and I are thinking about the work that we do with teachers is we want to make sure they don't just skip to the teaching of the kids, right? We want them to be also see themselves as whole people. You know, yeah. if, we're ask, if we're asking them to uh, give students more chance to play around with ideas, you know, to be to be in that the, the upper part of the compass, we need to give our teachers that opportunity to play around with ideas, right? We can't just give that lip service and, and to get to that so kids can do this sort of thing. And so so I appreciate that, you know, again, we we tend to focus so much with the work on the students as it should be right the students are in the center but educators are also in the center with them and they they need to give themselves permission and we're hoping you know this has been fun for us to do but we're hoping that they find some of these things fun as well yeah and that's spot on the spirit of this with and for everyone involved explore teachers do it parents do it people in the medical professions do it, right? Where they're completely focused on their kids or their patients. And, you know, everyone involved is, is involved and they're equally involved. They may be in different positions of power. And so it is really important to elevate the needs and voices of the people who have less power, totally. However, wherever you try to go, any ideas you have or experiments you try are not going to succeed if they don't work for everyone right because they're going to get undermined especially by those people in power if if they're not well served by it and you know we we are we can only teach and share this stuff as as much as we can do it right that's so expanding our own capacity is it's good for us and it's also a very selfless way of being better better teachers of this stuff and in walking our talk so i i super agree you know with what you say and i always make sure that I try to make sure that, you know, in like my workshops with educators, I invite them to first and foremost, use it on whatever is most on their minds. Mm -hmm. What is most useful for you? You haven't, you are stuck in this workshop or chose to be in this workshop for an hour. What is most useful for you to figure out, right? Like something that is either like an amazing opportunity you're really excited about or something you're really worried about, or maybe a little bit of both and you don't have it quite figured out yet put the, let's do that, right? Let's focus on you. Let's help you feel these different motions. We'll have you pair together and like push each other in these directions. Yes, and of course, at the end, we're gonna reflect, which is my cheesy way of saying what you do when you're using Innovator's Compass for, for reflection, the left side of the compass. 
as kind of your normal reflection, right? What just happened for me? Maybe what matters most to me about it? The right side is the action. Okay, so what ways are there for me to use what I just did in my life and work and world? What am I going to actually try on Monday, you know, to use this, these five questions in some way? So yes. And then, of course, you know, when you do that, you should identify the 10,000 ways you want to use it in the classroom with your kids and ways you want to use it, you know, on your own with, say, with your family or your peers or just in your own life. And you can totally, like, start working on those, but not until after you've given yourself the chance to do it for yourself on, you know, whether it's your lesson planning. I know that's something that you think about, right? Using it for lesson planning or use it for designing your vacation or the challenge you're having with your spouse or an issue you're seeing in your school that's really bothering you or, you know, whatever it is. Do you still use it with the kids to to plan days? Oh, like I did during COVID? Yeah. I use it every day myself. And I can tell when I haven't because I feel like my day is swimming a little better. It just isn't as powerful as it could be. And we usually use it right before at the beginning of summer break to be like, hey, what what do we really want for this summer? And we last use it at Mother's Day. I can like leverage my, you know, when they're a little, they're like, yeah, let's use mom's compass. And when they're older, it's like, okay. Mother's Day chips here to like make us do this. And I was just looking at it this morning, going like, oh, you know what? Our summer does not look like the things that you know they were hoping. Even we weren't even thinking of summer yet, but some of the things that they wanted to do and then haven't really happened yet. And we haven't really come back to it. So not as much as I used to, and I can feel it, right? Like I don't want to impose it on them, but I I I can feel the difference between when we're kind of like just kind of you know, you don't want to impose a lot of structure, but it's kind of the same way that a little bit of structure applied to poetry generates amazing amounts of creativity and makes things happen. And so I think our summer could be more awesome, honestly, if we did. But during COVID, we definitely sat down together. You might've seen that video on the website where we sat down once we realized it was not gonna be a two week closure and, um, and, and envisioned our time together and you know, including all the things that had to happen as well as the things that we hoped would happen. And it really made a big difference. I remember hearing John Stewart talk about the whole idea of comedy requires constraints, creativity yeah. requires constraints for that same thing. So to your point, yes, you've got a bunch of videos on your website, innovatorscompass.org, and I'll, we'll have links to all of these resources in our show notes. I also know that you have there some examples of how teachers have used the compass. You talked about lesson planning, which like said, Kathy and I've been working on. You talked about students maybe planning their day. What are some other ways teachers have used the compass to support their practice? It's funny. I actually have this poster that's been behind me. It might look familiar to you, Dave, because you were at South by Southwest meet with me and you were helping me with this interactive space that we got there. Um, and it actually has a whole bunch of them on it. Dave just referred to is if you look under the examples tab, Pull down has life and family, but also school and college. And so there's a bunch there. So I can sort of rattle some of those off. But in the classroom, it's used for project work, right? It looks straight up like design thinking or scientific method. It looks like a lot of those things. And so it's used for STEM projects, it's used for ELA projects, it's used for mashup projects, like in the middle are your book characters of you just read and on the left you're looking at what's happening for them and what matters most for them and then you're imagining ideas and then oh look you're making them in scratch <laughs> or or out of cardboard or whatever like i think they really do need x-ray vision glasses so there's curricular applications for for projects or i know i think yours you're one of the people a few people have used it for math like to sort of so like look at you know when you're stuck you know or or when you just look at what you're doing and and iterate your work 
uh, whether it's your, your math problem or, or the essay you just wrote. So those are a couple of curricular ways. And then, and then those projects also can extend to, you know, service projects and work with the community or projects in the school. So a lot of things around, a lot of people around like working on the culture of the classroom or the culture of the school together. Hey, we're seeing a lot of, I, someone just came up to me, it really made my day at ISTE and said, we have been using it for the last couple of years to you know, address kind of social emotional challenges and kind of culture in the school. And it's made a really you know, big difference. And what are we seeing happening, right? What do we all feel like matters most? You know, what are some ways we can do that? But also intimate ones. So I've seen it used you know, by guidance counselors or, or teachers or administrators with individual students, either proactively, like I saw someone had the, all their sixth graders, you know, plan their, their sixth grade year at the beginning of the year. You know, Michael Hernandez, great educator, uses it with his like journalism classes. They, you know, envision the class together um, at the beginning of the class and they reflect on it again at the end of the year. I do that in my classes too, you know, hey, why are you all taking this class? This is an elective, right? Why are you here? <laughs> what matters most to you about it, you know, and halfway through the semester to check in and be like, hey, is that what's actually happening? They'll say things like, we don't have any breaks and it's a three hour studio class. Oh, right, <laughs> let's try breaks. And then to reflect at the end of the school year, you know, both for themselves and for, for our benefits, we can make the, the class better. And reflection can just be observations and ideas for us. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. But then also not as proactively, right? When things go wrong, that's, you know, a time, whether it's individually or interpersonally, there are a lot of compasses I have seen about playground conflicts. Not like a small number, but really quite a few in all different ways with sticky notes or just uh, in conversation or there was a really great one where two girls were having this is a shout out to Don McWilliams in Aurora, Colorado, where two girls were having a conflict and they just silently did the compass together. They're both talking about like some kid who was like bothering him in the playground and eventually came out through the silent compass that it was each other and they were able to sort of work out their challenges in this way. And it was just amazing. So a lot of conflicts, cafeteria conflicts, playground conflicts. So I'm working my way from like curricular to SEL, mm -hmm. social emotional learning um, kinds of things. And then, you know, that's stuff that's specifically for the students or with the students in terms of like in planning and, and reflecting on your school year. And then things that are, you know, moving towards ways that they use it with each other. One is around like parent teacher conferences. So Valeria Rodriguez has a great clip on the website about using it. Like she'll start a compass before a parent teacher meeting. Like, here's what I'm seeing happening with Susie in, in school. And then, hey, wait, what are you seeing happening at home? And here's what seems to me matters most to us here from what we can tell. What do you, what matters most to you for Susie? It's even better if obviously Susie is present and you can do it with her or, or not, right? It can be staggered. Some do that same thing and just make sure to like interview Susie first and represent Susie's observations and principles and ideas mm -hmm. and experiments. But they can basically work together, right? Teacher and student. I've seen it used for team meetings around a student who's having challenges, like to create an IEP. Hillary Goldwith Fowles is someone who does that and, and really talks beautifully about merging it with a set framework, SETT, for helping understand students' needs and designing learning plans for them. But you know, same thing, what's happening for them and why. And you can have multiple team members, whether it's the, the school counselor or any of the professionals that might be working with the student all together and having coming to the same page, both about what's happening and, and where to go forward. And then 
planning, whether it's curricular planning or planning, you know, for what's going to happen. This is the time of year where people are doing like retreats and planning. Not yet, sorry. Like August will be the time of year when they're starting to plan for the next year. And this is a great time to be like, hey, what do we all see happening for ourselves in the world? Oh my God, AI, you know, all these things and go, okay, so given all of this stuff, you know, what matters most to us? So teams of educators, administrators who are doing some some planning work. And I was doing one of those a few years back. I was helping with a retreat. And then, you know, all of a sudden this crisis came up and we just pulled out another compass, like the mm. little right before the school year, you know, crisis, they couldn't really think about their strategic planning anymore. They really like, we have to deal with this right now. And so addressing that in the moment, okay, well, here's what seems to be happening. <laughs> so I just rattled off about a thousand different ways, but those are, you know, all of those. And, and I think, and just professional guidance. Tara Martin in her book, and also Naomi Harm, two people who wrote books about being administrators, you know, leaders in education, both write about using the compass to sort of understand, especially Tara, about meeting, you know, the people and guiding the people in your district or in your school through their careers. You know, what's happening, what's happening for you? What, what makes you tick? I do a design your life class also in college, because there are also people who are, are trying to figure their way forward. So what are your highs and lows? When do you feel like you're most contributing, you're most excited, you're most energized and least? And so what seems to be your guiding stars? What seems to matter most when you're doing things in a way, in a place that is just really bringing you alive? And what are some ways we can make that happen here? And what are we going to try or cannonball in, as, as Tara would say? So PD, that's another big one, right? When you have PD rather than I mean, obviously you can teach the compass, but, but like using PD time to just, rather than one person teaches everybody else about how to do issue, like, okay, let's see, there's this issue addressing, you know, SEL needs after COVID, like, okay, well, what do we all see happening? What has mattered to each of us? Like, well, I found what matters most to do this and what I found matters most to do that. And like, what ideas have we all had to address that? And like, what are some new experiments we're going to try based on what we've just learned from each other? So it's like collaborative co-learning co PD. I think I said most of the other ones that are, that are up there. Yeah, capstone projects, yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the reasons, Ella, that, you know, when I share with teacher, teachers often get barraged with, here's what you should do in this case. Here's what you should do. You know, here's a, here's a personal behavior plan, and now here's how you should teach math, and here's how you should teach. And, and those things, I mean, are all pretty specific, and you might be able, like you said, pull some things there. But I will, when I'm working with a district, I'll say, okay, let's look at the compass and okay, here's the curricular, like you're saying, here's some of the projects. You know, I love showing the one with the, the video of the playground incident, right? And that's so powerful. I show the one that you were saying about the parent-teacher conference. And it's like, this is a tool that you, you don't have to learn 15 different things. This is something that, because it brings so much of all of these other ideas into it, you can use in all of these different settings. And you don't have to confuse either yourself or the students by saying, okay, now we're going to pull out something totally different it's no these are all related to these like you said the scientific process the you know problem solving and math the writing process oh the other one i was going to say is i know both you and i use it as educators to not just 
um, to to teach through in PD, but to create our PD, right? So you're, I know you use it as you're thinking about if I'm a leader and I'm I need to do PD, I go through who are the people involved, right? You know what what have we tried before that's worked and you know needs work? What what is it that we really want to get out of this? What are some ways to try? How am I going to experiment? And my first experiment might be with my spouse saying, here's what I'm thinking about doing, right? And giving some feedback there. But, you know, ultimately we have to try this with real people in the setting, but also then being humble enough to say, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to be bet do this better next time because I'm going to keep going through this process. And I know that we're both also doing it as we write the books, right? We're going through, you know, from a professional learning perspective, what is it that we're doing? How can we think about what we want to share and what's important? Same time. I could keep asking the five questions, right? In all these different areas. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, when somebody reaches out to me to do like a PD for them or whatever, like, like straight up, like I open up, there's a bunch of different formats, like digital ones on the website. I might open an icompass.me or just, I have a, there's a Google doc that has the questions in it. I'll open up and I'll just start asking, Hey, who are the people? I mean, 27 people there and there are administrators from different, from across the district. There'll be like five, you know, elementary ones and or whatever. And, and okay, well, what's happening for them and why? Well, they're kind of worried about AI and, you know, feel like I'll just ask, you know, and, and what's happened in the past, what have been some of the like best and so successful retreat or PD experiences you've had, right? And well, well, okay, what matters most to you and and all the people who are going to be there about this time together, right? And then I will like, did you have any ideas, you know, before you called me? I'm like, were you really hoping? I really hope she says she'll do, you know, whatever. Well, tell me what those are. They're not going to block my judgment at all. Just, just let me know. And okay, and I have these other ideas. And then the experiment will be, we'll try to like actually make a potential, like a draft agenda for what it could be. And, you know, I might work with that and so on, but we'll, we'll build it together, right? On this this first call. And so, and it's funny in this book that I'm writing, I kind of did, but also kind of didn't do that. And that's why it's taking so long is that I basically had to start over and realize, you know what, the principles, what mattered most from the, to me for the tool, those same principles really do have to apply to the book because this book is going in a different direction and it's not going to do the work in the world that the tool has. Mm. It's not, as simple and powerful it's not as positive right no matter what no matter how difficult what people are struggling with is if this makes it worse that is not the right step right if it makes you feel even worse <laughs> about doing it it's not right that's it, you cannot start there i'm not saying you have to be over you, my general rule with the tool everything on this on this piece of paper is either neutral like observations right you could say problems there, but I mean, well, no observations, right? Like all the it's people who do community organizing that really taught me about things like appreciative inquiry and an acid-based work, right? Like, no, you no, it's both sides and you learn from both sides. And it really took like, not only doing a separate compass for the book, but looking back at like the compass that has really driven me in this work and realized that the book is a part of that and it has to, to follow the same ones. And now the book is like flying off my fingertips and Hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's going to go better, but yeah, so I do, I do use it all those ways. And the last thing that I want to just say is that it isn't meant to replace all those amazing things out there. So many, you know, this is totally built on the shoulders of giants and it's meant to replace some of the need. So if we start, if these questions really are at the heart and the core of all these ways of making things better when they've really gone off the rails, 
we can't pull them out proactively all the time, right? Like, as you said, the, the, we cannot, when I, when I wrote about being accessible for every person moment, no one person can learn, can read all these books, go to all these trainings. No one person can do all of that. So it's not accessible to every person and not even every moment, even people who are experts, originators of their own practices. I've, I've had the you know, privilege of working with some of these people, including in me, I'm an expert in design thinking, right? Are not always applying them. Like there's moments, right? My famous one I tell people about is it was two o'clock. This is when I really crystallized what my mission was. It's two o'clock in the morning, my toddler is screaming and I am screaming back after 20 years of human-centered design, whatever that is, you might not know, but it's not screaming back at your kid. Right. And so it's not accessible to me at that moment either. And so I can't ask anybody else to be able to pull it out. You know, I can't be frustrated when we're doing like this big change project and all of a sudden they hit a stumbling block like, oh, my administrator would never go for that. And they don't instantly start asking the same questions. OK, well, let me see that person. Let me imagine what's happening for them. You know, and what's in and maybe put some question marks on that, like hmm, what is happening for them? Why are they like that? Why do they have this kind of reactions? Do they even do they actually react all the time like that? Actually, they don't. They're not going to start doing that naturally if what I've been teaching them is like a thousand slides. They're not going to pull that out in that moment. That's a long way of saying that like those maps are all really, really valuable. But this is the common compass in the corner of all of those maps for leadership, for for personal development, for communities, for whatever. It's the common compass that they all have that you can carry in your pocket and pull out to get oriented and figure out where you are and to get yourself kind of unstuck. And if you're if it's not enough, by all means, go get the map. They're awesome. But maybe if we do it earlier and more often, we will not get as stuck and we won't need to reach for those quite as often. Or at least there's ways forward, like you said, that instead of feeling stuck or you asked me before this, you know, did, did you need to see the show? And I said, no. And I still stand by that. And then you asked about a scene and I said don't worry because I know you're busy and you've been very gracious with your time and and I'll end after this so so thank you very much but I would if you do have I think it's like eight minutes or so at some point the probably the famous scene from season one that that most people have seen is the dartboard scene and in this in this dartboard scene Ted talks about be curious not judgmental and what you're just saying is that same, right? You know, I want people to instead say, nope, my, my administrator will never go for this, would be instead of being judgmental, be curious. Well, what would my administrator think? If they didn't like it, what, why might they not, you know, and ask that why, 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 why? So be curious, not judgmental, so. And I don't have enough space to say all of that, right? So no. I, have, I can't tell, I can't describe what people should do. I. I just have to have them do it and they'll realize the why, right? So what it says on that paper is observations, what's happening and why, you know, real details, different pictures, you know, for the people involved, right? That's what you see. Like there's only 25 words on this entire thing, right? But if you do it enough, you start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm being curious instead of judgmental. <laughs> and if you, if I said that, if I, as soon as I use the word, don't be judgmental, everyone's going to turn off. They're going to be like, yeah. I already, oh yeah. I'm judgmental you know like like if you want this to be something that passes from person to person and they voluntarily use it and they can access it because it doesn't have too many words on it you can't put any of that stuff on it even though of course it's the why they like to say this is about being curious getting clear getting creative getting courageous and being compassionate in the middle yes of course that's why but if i said that you know we'd be like huh and, and, and to be clear, I'm not suggesting don't change a thing. Again, the podcast is all about making the connection. One of our guests was like, they show that scene 
they don't have to say a word. They just show that scene in their class with students and say, this is who we're going to be this year, right? We are going to be curious, not judgmental. That's Raj's why for that. So anyways, you've been very gracious with your time, Ella. And as, as always, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much. Your book that you're working on, any ideas when it'll be ready for us? No. <laughs> I'm working with a wonderful agent and we, this next step is to, you know, find the publisher out there that wants to bring it to life. And then, um, but I, I guess I would say the hope would be sometime in 2025. Nice. We'll be on the lookout. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Likewise. Thank you so much, Dave, and everybody listening. <laughs>